problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. Uh, we're so excited to have you guys along as uh, we have one of our repeat guests that uh, that we love so dearly. If it's the first time you've ever heard this person, uh, just from a biographical standpoint, uh, he's considered one of the top experts in developing team leadership and creating championship cultures. He spent 20 years in organized athletics as a college basketball coach and athletic administrator, and he now leads leaders and coaches coaches. And uh, he does that as a team consultant and trainer. His training and experience as a certified John Maxwell leadership coach and speakers allowed him to work with professional and college teams teams as well as multi-million dollar businesses. He hosts Success is a Choice podcast and is the author of the Leadership Playbook, which when he released that, uh, he, he appeared on the show. I believe this is his third appearance on the show, uh, but he appears regularly on numerous radio shows, podcasts, been published in the Huffington Post, uh, and you can learn all about him if you go to his website, but let's introduce him first. How you doing, Coach Jamie Beckler? Hey Rick, I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, yeah, third time, third time's a charm. Uh, I think I think maybe I'll get it right this time. But uh, yeah, the third time I'm I'm appearing on your show, and really excited to talk with you again. Well, you're the closest one to this, so you'll be the first to, to hear about it. But we're gonna have a five time guest, you know, jacket like Saturday Night Live, you know, special show, and you know, have people pop out of nowhere and surprise you, that kind of stuff. So that that's when when, when you're appearance number five. So you got you got two more to go, but. Uh, well, we've got the jacket measurements already for you. Well, I, I need to start writing some more books then. <laughs> you know, you can come talk to us anytime. Doesn't have to have a book. I'd love, I love chatting with you. You and I found each other. We were just talking. It was about four years ago. Um, I think I came across your website um, and reached out to you and that kind of started this. I know I was on Success is a Choice podcast. Episode um, nine. Episode, episode nine, nine. If uh, people would like to uh, check that out. How many episodes do you have now? We're at 131, I think. But you're cranking them out. I've been doing this four years. I think I'm in like episode 119, 120, something. Of course, I do it once a week. So you're, how often do you drop the podcast? <laughs> uh, I, I have a terrible business answer. Uh, sometimes I do two or three a week. Sometimes I do one or two a month. Gotcha. Uh, I have not been very consistent with that uh, the last probably four or five months since I came out with my new book. My new book came out uh, at Thanksgiving and I really uh, struggled to, to stay consistent with that podcast, which was, which was unfortunate because I really enjoyed doing it and had some good guests, but all my attention went to writing that book. And so you, you're starting to, to learn what, what we call a drip podcast is, is really, really important, right? Drip it out once, you know, every Thursday, drop one, even if you got six episodes done. It, it, it really means you don't have to do anything for six weeks. Yeah, you know, it, it's really important. And, and they say consistency. And, and, you know, I know I'm a big fan of podcasts myself. And so I will listen to podcasts. And I'll tell you what, when that Monday comes or that Wednesday comes, when I'm used to hearing that podcast, I'm disappointed if they're even an hour late sometimes. So, so I know that I need to do a better job of that from my end of making sure I get it out more consistently. Because I do have, uh, I think I have three or four fans plus my yeah. mom. Well, that's two more than I do, so that's good. Um, but the uh, it's it's interesting though. We're we're going to get into the book, but you know, you being kind of your your own CEO of your own company, you know what it takes to to run teams and, and have championship cultures. But then it's kind of like all on you, right? I don't know how many people you have working with you now. 
but when it comes to social media strategy and then the books and then podcasts and all this kind of stuff, people are, are using this kind of spray technique trying to get everything done at once and, and it really spreads you thin. Yeah, it really does. And, and I've been doing this for three and a half years full time and uh, I'm still learning new stuff as I go along. You know, every time I think I get something figured out, then there's a new wrinkle to it, you know, from working at home, having your home office and, and you know, uh, scaling up and, and, you know, hiring more staff or hiring extra people to do different things or, you know, contract workers or, you know, just, hey, I'm going to write a new book or, hey, I want to do an online program or, oh, I want to I want to ramp up some of these podcast type things. And every time you do that, yeah, it's more time. And uh, it's uh, it's one of those things, you know, when, when you watch you know, on TV, on MSNBC, you watch The Profit or you watch Shark Tank, you know, or you watch these business reality shows, it, it hits a little closer to home. You know, obviously we're not all working in multi-million dollar companies, but, you know, just some of the stuff they talk about, the scaling and, and, you know, trying to have, you know, I don't know how many times I've watched The Profit and they talk about how you have too many SKUs, you know, yep. you have too many things you're trying to do essentially. And I feel like that sometimes, you know, I don't have 23 different colors of t-shirts, but it's, I'm trying to do too much sometimes. Well, uh, full disclosure, and a lot of times I'm often too transparent with my audience, but I have a serious man crush on Marcus Limonis. <laughs> I love watching The Prophet. And then uh, February 9th, I'll actually be appearing on stage with Robert Herjavec in LA at, at, uh, at the City Gala City Summit in, in Los Angeles that we're hosting. So, um, but yeah, huge fan of Marcus Limonis, a huge fan of him and love how he takes care of people. Uh, and we can get into to some of this stuff. You and I tend to, to, we, we hit rabbit trails often. I think both of us think that way, <laughs> but, uh, what we really wanted to talk about and what was exciting was, was you did drop a new book called the bus trip. Tell the audience a little bit about that. Yeah, really excited about the bus trip. It's a it's a it's a sports leadership fable, a modern day uh, fable. If if any of your audience has read uh, Patrick Lencioni books or Todd Gonware or John Gordon, um, you know uh, those kind of people, Bob Berg. Those are the kind of books that I enjoy reading. And so I finally decided, you know what, for my third book, I'm going to write this fable. And it's, uh, you can read it in about a little over two hours, but it's about this team that's, that's going through a challenging season. And uh, they take this bus trip and there's a number of situations and conversations that occur on that bus trip, both going and coming back, that the players end up coming to this decision that, hey, I need to do a better job uh, of helping this team. I'm not doing what I can do. And, uh, you know, a bunch of different people come to that conclusion kind of all at the same time. And uh, they end up having a team meeting and uh, things uh, kind of get turned around a little bit, you know, as opposed to there's no one big come to Jesus meeting. There's not like a, you know, we have this team meeting and everyone's motivated. It's all these little pockets of leadership and influence going on because I believe that that's truly what really goes on. I, I believe that these big team meetings and these big rallies, though can be good, they're very overrated, that really change and influence occurs one-on-one -on -one or, or two-on-two -two type things with, with close friends and people you respect. And so I wanted to write a book that was a tool for coaches to use and with their teams and, you know, hey, maybe they can give their, their, their players or their athletes this book, or they can just give them uh, some nuggets from the book of how they can deal with certain things that happen, you know, whether it's parenting, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, having a parent that's, that's a helicopter parent, or maybe, you know, the players are always late or the players feel entitled or the players feel like coach isn't playing them enough. You know, these are some conversations 
that you as a roommate could have with your with one of your best friends about how to be a better leader. And so I wanted to put all that together. And, uh, you know, people have asked me if this is based on a true story. And it's not based on one true story. It's based on 20 years of true stories. Sure. And and rarely is there that training montage that's so famous in movies. You know, everything's going bad. You have the one meeting, there's a montage. And, and then next thing you know, they're winning championships. So you're right. It's It's little steps along the way that uh, seem to, to make the biggest difference. And, and we say that all the time, right? Small things lead to great change. Uh, what's one of your kind of favorite anecdotes, though, that maybe you're in the book or, or kind of story that you like to relate to? <laughs> yeah, well, I have, uh, I have this story, and, and it's, it's fresh on my mind because I just talked with a uh, sports team. Uh, about this just a couple nights ago uh, and doing like their pregame speech. Their season has been rough. They were supposed to be good and they've had like five or six injuries. They have all freshmen and sophomores on their team and they're just taking, you know, loss after loss. And that was not to be expected. And so I was talking with them and the story I used was the story of uh, a guy a long time ago named R.U. Darby. And R.U. Darby he was this guy that went from the East Coast to the West Coast in the gold rush. You know, he wanted to go to the West Coast, California, you know, and, and just hit the mother load to become rich. And so uh, he went out there, but he kept getting frustrated because he wasn't uh, making any money. He wasn't, he wasn't finding that mother load. You know, he might find a nugget here or there, but he wasn't finding, you know, what he thought was going to change his life. And so finally he just throws up his arms and quits. He sells his stuff and moves back to the East Coast. And within days, the people he sold that stuff to, they found the mother load just three feet away from where he stopped digging. Wow, um, you know, and 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 you know, certainly he didn't know, and nobody knew that he was three feet away, and and we never know for sure that if we keep digging, if we keep pressing on, that we will achieve our goal. But conversely, one hundred percent guaranteed that if you quit, you will not achieve your goal. And so you don't always know when you're three feet away, but you know that if you quit, you'll never find out how far away you were. And and so you know, we're talking to this team, but that that's one of those things, you know, in the book that uh, I enjoyed writing that part or I enjoyed telling people about that part because it's so oftentimes we just want to quit. We get frustrated and whatever it is with our marriage, with our kids, with our business, our work, uh, sports, it doesn't matter. We get frustrated and we want to quit and we never know, you know, when, when it's going to be that time that we actually break through and, 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 you know, those things are fun to think about the possibilities and to have hope that, you know, if I keep doing what I'm supposed to do, I might have a chance. Yeah, I, I had a conversation, uh, I want to say it was yesterday, but, you know, I, m- one of my go-tos is around Michael Jordan, and it's not the number of shots that, that he hit, it's the number of game-winning shots he missed, and nobody really knows that number, right, but they can all remember the, the shot that went in, it's, but just as you said, guaranteed he wouldn't hit the game-winning shot if he didn't take it. Yeah, you got you got to take that. You got to step up, have courage to do that. And uh, you're absolutely right. And you know, talking about Jordan, you know, I have a couple characters in the book that uh, you know they're they're the essentially the two stars of the team, but they're always late. You know, they think the world revolves around them, and and that is definitely a common occurrence on a lot of teams. And uh, you know, one of the players, his favorite player is Michael Jordan because that was his dad's favorite player. And growing up, his dad would always tell him about Michael Jordan and all. And so they're on this bus ride and they're watching this like 30 for 30 type thing on ESPN. They're, they're watching this documentary about the dream team. And what they didn't realize, and most people don't even realize, is the dream team, yeah, it was amazing, but they only had one rule on that whole team. And that rule was always be on time. 
always be on time. And, and, you know, that was something that people didn't realize, uh, you know, that, Hey, they only had this one rule. Well, well, these two characters in the book, they're like, man, that's crazy that they had this one rule and, and they related to their life. And they're like, well, if Michael Jordan can, can abide by that, you know, because the story goes that, that the, the latest anyone ever was for the bus was 10 minutes early. Um, and, and that's just amazing with all those high caliber alpha, you know, uh, ego centric kind of players that they would all respect one another enough to never even be close to being late. Um, and so these two characters, it starts to chip away at their thinking and their mindset and they have a shift in mentality and Hey, we're going to try to be early because that's what Michael Jordan did. And that's what the dream team did. Absolutely. What a great story. Um, so what we're going to do here, we're going to take a break and, and come back and, and we'll, we'll dive into some of our other topics that we'd love to, to jump into. We'll continue to discuss the bus trip. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I recall the last time we were on, I got quite a bit of ribbon for, for being a Tennessee fan. And so we can discuss uh, Tennessee and Michigan, where we started and where we ended. And so we'll do that right after break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. You know, we, we just went into break, and, and to all fairness to Coach Beckler, he said, uh, he said, Rick, that's not even just a radio tease. That was just a straight-up tease uh, coming into this segment. But, uh, but we, we shared, you know, some, some good-natured banter back and, back and forth. But um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, from your experience, Coach, and championship cultures, kind of what you're, you're a Michigan team that's that's really, I mean, you came out just gangbusters, had a little trip uh, against Wisconsin, but still recovered. And then the last two games, you know, versus a Tennessee who drops the first two games and everybody counts them out and they go on the streak of winning six, you know, six games at the, their last, well, they won six of the last seven. Um, 
talk about being inside kind of a culture on either side, whichever one you're most comfortable with and, and what some lessons are that we can learn from that. Yeah, you know, it, it, my, my very first thought is, is maybe not from being inside a culture, but, but just in general, I, football, college football seems to bring out the worst in fans sometimes. And, and we see that, you know, whether you're dealing with the SEC where, where, you know, you're in the heart of the SEC country or the Big Ten country where I'm at, you know, it, it's amazing how many people are dissatisfied with winning nine games a year or you don't win the national title. You know, we, we just had it or, you know, it was just happened where uh, uh, Oklahoma got blow, blown out, you know, oh, yeah. in, in, in a final four game. And it's like they're one of the best four teams in the country and they're just getting slammed and criticized in the media. And it's like they're one of the best four, you know, but but we tend to be very delusional as fans sometimes. And we, and we all get that way. And, and, you know, dealing with Michigan, I can't say that 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 Jim Harbaugh is getting the most out of that team or not getting the most out of that team. But what I do know is you always need to be a little bit concerned about getting what you want, um, about be careful what you wish for, because nine wins, nearly every team in America would love to win nine games a year. And, and your program at Tennessee and my program at Michigan have both went through that. We fired, you know, Lloyd Carr for winning only nine games a year, or we forced him into retirement and Tennessee forced Phil Fulmer into retirement because they weren't satisfied with eight or nine wins a a year. And then both programs went through a number of years where they would have given their left arm for eight or nine wins a season. And so, you know, you have to be, you you have to be cognizant of you. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not Alabama, maybe you're not Clemson, but you could still be a really good version of yourself. Um, and, and that's from a fan standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint, you know, the process, Nick Saban talks about the process all the time down at Alabama, but it really is true. And, and that's a re- one of the reasons that Clemson's always up there. A reason that Alabama is always up there is because, yeah, they, they want to win. And yes, they want to do things, you know, they, they want to be scoring more points and, and get all the five stars, but they also want to do things the right way. And they believe in their system and their process enough that, hey, if we do this stuff, then the results will take care of themselves. And, and so many programs, you know, they don't go through the process. They, they don't try to do what's right and they take shortcuts or they panic or they have knee-jerk reactions. And you see that all the time, whether it's the NFL or whether it's uh, college football. You know, you see it all the time where, where coaches only get one or two years to turn it around. And, and if they don't, then they're out the door. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, you really didn't give them much of a chance. Um, and it and wasn't their lost. kids. It wasn't their system. Didn't have a chance to recruit the way they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're comparing, we're doing too much comparing to, to the Alabamas and the Clemson and, and, you know, uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the great rough rider once said, comparison is the thief of all joy. You know, when we compare, uh, whether we're comparing our program to Clemson or comparing our program to the best conf- best team in our conference, or, or we're just comparing individually, we're comparing ourselves to someone else's highlights on Facebook or Instagram. You know, we, we can we can have this sense of inadequacy that we're not good enough because we see these highlights or we're, or we're doing unhealthy comparisons. And we just need to be, be the best version of ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting living where, where I live, uh, being, you know, I, I live right smack dab in the middle of Alabama. We call ourselves the, the college football capital of the South here in Birmingham. But uh, how many people are disappointed that, that Alabama didn't win, you know, another national championship this year? And it's like, well, you know, sometimes loss is the greatest motivator for the win. And, uh, I think it was Bill Gates that talked about uh, you, you can have too much success. 
And if you have too much success, then you become complacent and, and you've got to have some failures in order to drive the best work. Uh, and so I, I find that interesting is um, just like you said, uh, you know, one bad season, they start talking about getting rid of the coach. Uh, and then you've got the coaching carousel. I mean, if you look at the SEC, they just brought Lane Kiffin back. Uh, went and got Mike Leach. That was announced today. Uh, we've got a cast of characters as coaches now as well. <laughs> that uh, it's not necessarily the cold, but, but you look like uh, for me, uh, Ed, Ed Ogeron, right? Ed Ogeron is this. I mean, he's just this character, but he was successful. He was a little bit there at Tennessee, at USC, a little bit. You know, went to Ole Miss, didn't do well, and then you find the right coach for the right culture at the right time. And you look at what LSU's done this year; it's it's amazing. Yeah, and you're, and you're spot on with that, too, because we forget, you know, I'm a huge fan of Chick-fil-A, let's say. Oh, yeah. And Southwest Airlines and, and a couple companies that have great culture, but they spend so much time trying to find the right fit. They want the right team members uh, on their team. They want the right people on the bus. And when you talk about like an Ed Orgeron, you know, I'm not sure he's a good coach or a bad coach. But he's found the right fit, at least for right now, of where he was at, of where he, of what, you know, he, he can utilize his strengths as a coach where he's at. And you see that sometimes with coaches, maybe they're, 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 a, they're a failure somewhere else, you know, a, a quote unquote, a failure. But then they get into a different situation that's a better fit for them. And all of a sudden they excel. And, and you know, it's, it's so important to have the right not only have the right people around you, but but to get the right people in the right positions, and you know it, it's it's such a big deal to to find that fit. And uh, yeah, Ed Orgeron's a great example, and you know Lane Kiffin's been everywhere. It seems like I mean, it, it, his whole story is amazing. Just how many places he's been, but you know you see retreads in the NFL, and I know retreads sometimes get a bad rap um, at the professional level, especially oh well, they're hiring this guy again. But you know Pete Carroll was a retread. Bill yeah. Belichick was a retread. You know, sometimes you learn from those failures, as you talked about uh, a few minutes ago. Sometimes you need to to get knocked down a little bit. Sometimes you need to to experience uh, failure for the first time in your life to understand, you know, what I can do better. Well, and to me, that that's the ultimate Nick Saban story, right? I mean, he, I mean, not only did did he was <laughs> did he get railroaded in Miami, but he hurt that organization for several years to come based on decisions that he had made. Um, and, and everybody seems to gloss over that little stint that he did at the NFL, but I think you need that in order to realize, okay, I, I'm a great coach at this stage of life versus a great coach overall. Yeah, it can help you. It can help you learn those things. It can also help you uh, be more grateful and, and feel more blessed. And, and uh, you know, and I, you know, when somebody experiences failure sometimes and they get a second chance or, Hey, I'm able to land on my feet. They might be a little bit more grateful, uh, might be, you know, appreciate every single day a little bit more. Well, let's bring that back then to the, the, the bus trip as well. But even just before the book itself, you being an author, uh, and owning your own business, there's had to have been times in the last three and a half years where you looked at yourself in the mirror and was like, what am I doing? Like what, 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 why did I make this jump? Have you hit that point yet? <laughs> Nearly every day. And, right. and the days that I don't do that, my wife takes care of that for me. <laughs> what the, what, what are you doing? Why did you make any money today? Did you make any sales today? What, what are we going to do next month? You know, 
yeah. So it's a constant, it's a constant battle, you know, and, and I would love to say that I've arrived and I can just sit back and put my feet up on the desk and, and be like, yeah, we're set. But you know, that I don't know if that's ever the case because it's the same way we talk about Dabo Sweeney and, and Nick Saban. They're not doing that. They win national championships and everyone's gunning for them even more. So they've got to, they've got to go to work even harder. So yeah, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a challenging three and a half years um, when you don't have that paycheck coming every Friday or you know that, you know, I, I was a coach for so long and certainly if you're not a good coach, you end up getting fired. But from week to week, if I'm not a very good coach, I'm not getting fired. Uh, if we lose a couple games in a row, my paycheck still comes in. Um, my, my contract is still going to be honored, so to speak. You know, and, and when you work for yourself, whether you own a physical business or, or you're in a services business, you know, if, if you're not very competent or you're not doing the job or you're not getting sales, that check's not coming every Friday. Um, and, and so those are all challenges and you, you just have to overcome those challenges and figure out ways. And, you know, I felt like, um, the last couple of years or my first couple of years, I felt like I was back as a, uh, as a 21 year old or 22 year old going to grad school. Like I was in, yeah. I was a graduate assistant in this, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, aspect. Well, congratulations on going past three years, right? So three, five and 10 are the big kind of year marker. Well, actually it's one, three, five and 10 are the big markers as a small business and business owner. I can tell you uh, I'm, I'm going into my 11th year as a small business owner and it doesn't get any easier. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm in a period of transition right now where, you know, I, I started the business in, in 2009, 2012, the end of 2012, I almost lost everything. Right. So that was your three year gap um, built a nice steady business. And now players have changed. And uh, circumstances have changed, and, and as I go into 2020, it's it's a fresh new ball game. So I can I can promise you, coach, it, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> well, and, and that's fine because you know I, I'm not sure that life gets any easier. We just get better, or we we gain uh, more. Experience. So well said. Yeah, and, and I mean the challenges and obstacles are going to be there uh, essentially until the day we die. Um, you know, but we just we learn. And, and we improve and, and we grow and, and we get better and, and are better able and better equipped to handle the things that come our way. Yeah, but that's a choice. I mean, coming back to your podcast title, right? Success is a choice. I, I, there's several people, and, and it's fine with me. I don't judge, but there's, there's several people I know that, that are hitting cruise control. And so they've got you know, a job that is good enough and a place that's good enough, and they're in a place in their lives that's good enough. Um, I'm just... I'm in a constant state of growth. Like I can't sit still. I've got to be learning something new. I've got to be on some you know, new certification journey. Uh, but that's a choice in and of itself to become better every, every day, coach. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we both are, are huge fans of John Maxwell. And, and, you know, John Maxwell, personally, he's somebody that could sit back and say, all right, I've made enough money. You know, I've done enough good things. I can coast. But he's not doing that because he has people that rely on, upon him. He has, he has more that he still wants to do from an influence standpoint, from an impact standpoint. But certainly from a, a personal or individual standpoint, there's a lot of people, yes, that could coast uh, because they've made enough money or they've done enough good, you know, quote unquote, enough good. Um, but yeah, it really comes down to your motivation and, and uh, you, know, what, what, you know, what kind of significance do you want to have on the world? 
So you you just reminded me of so I was in the room with John and uh, he was talking about uh, proximity, and he gave the best definition I've ever heard of entitlement. He said, "If uh, if I expect proximity based on yesterday's achievements, that's the very definition of entitlement." Mm-hmm. Good. That just that hit me sideways. I was like, "Oh man, I love it when he gets." When he gets ornery and talks like that. So uh, we're going to come back. We'll, we'll take a little break right here. When we come back, I want to get back to the book and start talking about, um, you know, I know in the book you say that there's 10 things uh, that, that anybody can do, any player can do, but you don't have to be a player. You can just be a, a general person and 10 things that people can do. We're going to reveal your favorite three when we come back from the break. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, talking with Coach Jamie Beckler, uh, specifically around his book, uh, The Bus Trip. We, we tend to, to delve into to topics here and there, but... Uh, this is what we really wanted to talk about. Now, you released this right around Thanksgiving, if I recall. You said it was November uh, yep. of 2019. Yep, Thanksgiving week. Wow. So, as if Thanksgiving doesn't have enough stress and, and things well, to it. Let's throw a book launch into that as yeah, well. Yeah, well, what I thought was, you know, nobody, nobody's email inbox was going to be inundated, flooded that week, and nobody's, you know, there'd be no Facebook ads being run by anybody. So, I'd pretty much have a monopoly on on all marketing during, uh, during Thanksgiving week, and especially on the uh, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I figured I'd be the only one doing anything. So, yeah, perfect. For sure. Perfect time. Uh, there you go. So we, we tease this going into it. You say that, you know, in the book you share um, kind of 10 things anybody can do. Why don't we talk about a couple of those? Yeah, we already hit upon a couple. Uh, one was always be on time. You know, that's that's something anyone can do. It doesn't matter what your role is, your job is. It, it just doesn't matter. And and we also talked about that story about are you Darby? Uh, and, and that was remaining committed and focused, you know, to whatever your goals were. But uh 
You know, one that really stands out to me is help and serve others. And, and I think that that's something that anyone can do. Uh, you know, you, it doesn't matter what your role is, your status. Uh, it doesn't even matter how good you are, how, how competent you are at your job. Anyone can help and serve others. And, and a lot of times, especially as leaders, we forget that. You know, uh, and, and certainly this book is, is geared toward athletes. Um, so I'll talk about that for a minute. But, you know, if you're a freshman, you don't think that you need to serve or help others because you're just a freshman. But then if you're a senior, you don't think you need to help and serve others because I'm a senior and I've earned my right. You know, I've paid my dues. And, and that irritates me to no end because they also expect a coach to do everything. And the coach has certainly earned their dues and paid their dues more than any player. Um, but I've always hated just in general the fact of wanting other people to serve you or, hey, someone else, the freshman, should carry the bags or someone should do something for me because I'm a firm believer that leadership is about servant leadership. It's about influencing other people and you can't truly influence other people if you're wanting them to serve you. Um, and, you know, we, we have a little story where the, the kids understand this. They visit a restaurant and it's uh, certainly modeled after Chick-fil-A. We don't mention Chick-fil-A. No free advertising there in the book, but, <laughs> but certainly you understand that it's that it's a, a restaurant like Chick Fil A, and uh, you know the kid gets his order wrong, uh, and but he blames the restaurant, but the restaurant handles it very well, and the kid is amazed at how the restaurant, even though they know that the kid is the one that screwed up, they still treat the kid well, they tr still try to help him, they still try to serve him, and they don't make the kid feel bad. Um, and, uh, just in general, that's a, that's a lead into talking about servant leadership. And, and I think that that's so important, no matter what role you have or what, what occupation you have, Hey, can you serve others? How can I make other people around me better? And, and we were talking earlier about being a graduate assistant and I was a graduate assistant. And one of the things I learned as a graduate assistant from our athletic trainer, he used to always say, take care of those who take care of you, take care of those who take care of you. Um, your managers, you should treat them like they're your star players. You know, it doesn't matter what, what role someone has, treat everyone well, treat them the way you want to be treated. And I know that's the golden rule, but we forget that sometimes. Well, and it's also how it's done, right? Servant leadership versus managing it. it so the story that I relate to uh, was I was a, a brand new manager. I was the youngest manager Bennigan's ever hired. If you remember the old restaurant chain Bennigan's and, um, I, I was a hustler though, man. I was a worker. I have a very, very strong work ethic. And uh, I remember uh, as I was going through training, uh, I figured, you know, I, I came from that rule of management. Of, I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do myself. So I was, I was trying to model behavior and just do everything, just work my tail off. And there was another manager and he was the most beloved manager and he didn't do anything. He, he didn't work, like he barely even lifted a finger. And I, and I was so confused by that until I understood that he was giving people what they needed when they needed it. And I was just trying to, to um, basically show everybody up by outworking them. And uh, that was kind of that first thing that I saw of servant leadership of it, it doesn't require a tremendous amount of effort. It just, it requires caring. Yeah, it, it's, it, and you know, as coaches or leaders, sometimes we'll say that people uh, we'll say, you know, I care about my employees. I care about my players. The problem is, is that they don't know that you care about them. 
you know, I, and that was one of my problems my first four years as a head coach was, man, I loved my players. I cared about them, but they didn't know that necessarily because I really didn't show that. I, I really didn't demonstrate that on a consistent daily basis. Um, and, and your people have to know that. I mean, if they're going to end up buying what you're selling and we're all in the sales business, no matter what we're doing, you know, whether it's I'm convincing my son to pick up his socks off the floor or my wife's convincing me to pick up my socks off the floor, you're still in the sales business. And so if, if you're going to sell that, people have to be able to buy something and they're not going to do that if they don't know, like, and trust you. And, and they've got to, they've got to know that you care. You've got to demonstrate that uh, consistently. And I don't think enough coaches, I don't think enough managers or leaders are doing that. Do you, do you recall when that hit you? Do you recall kind of where you were at, what was going on and, and yeah, when, it was, when you realized that, that? Yeah, it was January 4th, 2005. Uh, That's my, pretty specific there. Yeah, coach. when my AD <laughs> said, hey, Jamie, you got a minute? And then about a half hour later, uh, they had a new coach. Oh, wow. So, uh, um, yeah, but you know, hey, I, I was a young coach and I, and I was the smartest guy in the room and thought I knew everything. And uh, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, age 31, I was no longer a head coach at the college level. And so, uh, a little bit of humbling, but, uh, but a lot of looking in the mirror and saying, all right, what can I do differently? Cause it, it wasn't, I go back to, it, it wasn't that I didn't care about my players, man. I cared a lot about my players and that was why I wanted to be in coaching was, was caring about my players and wanted them to do well. But I also, uh, lost sight of that in terms of, I wasn't showing them on a daily basis, um, you know, I got more concerned about X's and O's and, you know, Hey, I was, I was judging them too much based on X's and O's and not trying to help develop them as much. Yeah. The quote that John says all the time that, that is probably my favorite quote of his, if I were to rank it is that you can be successful by yourself, but you'll never be significant without a team. And once you taste significance, success will never satisfy. Mm, good. good. What's uh, what's one of the other uh, of the 10 traits. Well, it's, it's kind of related to serving and helping, but it's encourage team members and not, I, I, it wasn't encourage teammates. It was encourage team members because when you have an organization, uh, a team, no matter what it is, you're not, you're going to have some support people. You're going to have some team members, some peers, but also you're going to have some support people. You're also going to have a, some authority people. And, and I think you can encourage everybody in your organization and, and that'll help the organization be better. And, and it's similar to, it's kind of going off the principles of, of John Maxwell's 360 degree leader is that you can influence everybody around you. Um, not just the people next to you, but you can influence everybody around you. And so, you know, one of the stories I, I put in the book was that uh, there was this, this old psychologist who, who was uh, or a psychiatrist, I get those mixed up, but, but Dr. Menninger, and he was on the cover of Time magazine, but he, he gave this lecture once at this big university, and, and this person had a question. They said, you know, there's this, what would you, what advice or what would you say to a person that said that they were just totally depressed they didn't know what they were going to do with themselves. They just, they just didn't know what they could do anymore. And, you know, the person asking that pretty much expected that Dr. Manager would say, you know, you, well, you want to go get help. You want to, you know, you know, do this kind of therapy, blah, blah, blah. And Dr. Manager said the first thing that that person needs to do is, and I'm dating this story a little bit, but board up the house, walk across the street and help somebody. Um, and, and he went on to say, 
you know, and, and this isn't, I mean, this is, this is surface um, and, and this is simplistic, but essentially he said, go out and help somebody when you're not feeling good, when you're struggling, go out and make someone's life better. And, and so many of us, you know, we, when we're down in the dumps, we're not encouraging anyone else. And so I wanted this to be encouraged team members because so many people, they don't like their role. They don't like their lot in life. They don't like what's going on. And so they continue to wallow in that misery instead of, hey, I'm going to encourage the boss. I haven't gotten a raise, but you know what? I'm going to encourage the boss or I'm going to say something nice to the secretary, even though she never smiles at me. Um, we're, we're in this culture and it's just not nowadays, but it's been so long you know, it's been building up, but, but we're uh, tend to be a people that we, we treat people the way they treat us oftentimes. And, and, and we have to rise above that. We have to, you know, as Ellen DeGeneres said, we have to be kind to everybody. Um, We have to be kind. We have to treat people the way we would want to be treated, not the way we are being treated. And so, Hey, if, if I feel like I'm a freshman or I feel like I'm a low man on the totem pole, I'm a janitor at a company and I feel like I'm getting no respect, then by golly, I need to give as much respect as possible. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to feel necessarily better and it doesn't mean I'm going to get more respect, but turn that around, encourage team members, encourage everybody in your organization. Um, you know, don't just sit back and wallow in, in misery. If you're not getting enough playing time, you know what? Encourage the people that are getting playing time instead of sitting on the bench and hoping that they get hurt or get in foul trouble. Yeah. You know, you brought up Ellen and, uh, you know, you never really think you're going to get a tremendous amount of, of leadership lessons from a comedian or a TV show host, but um, she went through controversy earlier this year uh, where she said, be kind to everybody. And then there was a picture of her and George W. Bush and uh, the the party that supports her the most democratic party kind of came after her and said, you know, what are you doing with him? Why are you doing that? And she said, when I say be kind to everybody, it's not just be kind with people who share my views. It's be kind to everybody. And I, I saw that as a huge step up for her. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and Rick, that's a, that's a major problem that, that we have as a society that oh, every time I, I see this kind of stuff in the news, I think about John Maxwell. I think about his definition of leadership. I think about influence. And I'm like, how in the world can you influence anybody and get someone to come over to your way of thinking if you're berating them, if you're criticizing them constantly, if you're belittling them, if you're name calling, you know, you've got to try to be kind to people and win them over at least from a respect standpoint, not from an ideological standpoint, but you're never going to change anyone's ideas unless they like you, unless they trust you, unless they respect you. And they're definitely not going to do that if you're always calling them an idiot. Yeah, we're, we're about to go to break here, but I'll relate one more quick story. I was in the room with John uh, at, at IMC. There was a bunch of us in the room. It's not like it was me and three other people, but uh, he was approached to run for president in 2016. And he thought about it and he shared the whole story with us. And uh, the, the thing that really um, stood apart for me is he said, um, when I thought about it, I didn't think uh, to go forward with it because the base that would have elected me would want me to do everything their way. And if I'm a president, I've got to be president for all people. And I feel like I would upset my base Mm. because I would do what was fair for everybody, not just for the people who elected me. That is a message I think needs to be shouted loud and clear uh, to to all of our political parties. But uh, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back with our final segment with Coach Jamie Beck. (laughs) 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back with our final segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. Coach Beckler, uh, tell everybody where they can find the book, how to get in touch with you, how to find you online. Yeah, the easiest easiest way to find me is, is my website is, is Coach Beckler, and that's B-E-C-H-L-E-R, uh, CoachBeckler.com. And, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Coach Beckler. And, uh, you know, you, you go to either of those sites, you can find all my books, you can find uh, articles, blogs, you can also find uh, Success as a Choice podcast, which, as a reminder... Rick Morris was on episode 009, wow. so way back in the day. Of 7,422 uh, that was all released uh, last Friday, so that's good. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I love teasing you, Coach. What is, uh, so I've asked you this question twice before now. I'm going to ask you a, a third time, and we can go back and compare answers. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll get it right this time. No, I think it's, oh, yeah, you know what it is? It's, it's, it is a point in time question, even though um, it doesn't sound it, but what's some of the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> um, <laughs> proofread your book better. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me what it was. Tell well, me what it was that launched that you caught. No, well, uh, it, this isn't necessarily it's a combination of advice and then it actually coming to fruition. But uh, my first book, uh, you know, don't skimp on the proofreading, make sure, you know, you, you just, when you think you got it, then go over it again. And then I got like a one star review on Amazon and, and this person was a hater. Okay. I mean, they, they were, they were not, I don't think that they're probably a very positive person in life, but they gave me a one star review and said that, you know, there was just too many, uh, grammatical errors, which first of all, it wasn't true that there wasn't too many, but there were a couple, but I'm like, this is a leadership book for student athletes. You know, first of all, they deal with, you know, 280 characters. That's all that they deal with. So they're not really concerned about 
misspelled words. But what it did was it made me examine, hey, I, I need to go back and, and pay more attention to the details. And, and you're not going to please everybody. But you know what, there's some things that are in my control. And I need to make sure that I'm not overlooking that. And even though this person might have been a negative Nancy, you know, they might have, you know, you know, you don't give one star review on a leadership book just because there's a couple grammar things. But it didn't matter what their motive was. The fact of the matter was there was three grammatical errors, you know, in the first couple chapters that I noticed and, and I went back and changed those. And so, you know, in future books, I was a little bit better. Yeah. But the reason why that, that hit me so hard while I was pressing you on that is uh, I have a, a, a dear friend, John Stenbeck. And uh, when No Day But Today dropped, uh, I had a different team. This is the first time I self-published the book versus going through the traditional book publishing. And uh, I expect people are going to do what they, they're supposed to. So details isn't always the, the my, my number one um, uh, checking thing. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he pulled me aside when we were face-to-face. He was like, dude, you got to get somebody to read over this again. And, uh, you know, he went way up in my book as a friend to, to have that uncomfortable, you know, versus, oh, man, it's great. Yeah, look at this. He was like, there's two or three things, dude, that, that needs to get changed and changed fast. <laughs> and I can always appreciate that. So I've been there with you, Coach. Yeah. Um, do you have anything uh, coming up? Any big speaking engagements? Any big appearances? Um, I just do a number. I don't have any major things until the spring. Uh, well, I say that. I'm I'm going to Vegas here in a couple of weeks to uh, speak at the, a large, uh, the Glacier football clinics. Uh, they get over a thousand football coaches at that in Vegas. And I'm also doing the one that they have in Detroit. So they have 30 across the country. And so I'm doing a couple of those. And then, um, but I, I do mainly uh, during this time of year, I do mainly uh, individual sports teams. Um, so I, I, I'll go do pregame talks or work with a team uh, for an hour or so on, on some leadership principles and, uh, in fact, I was I was in your neck of the woods uh, a few weeks ago working with a, a sports team down there in Birmingham. So uh, what what team? Uh, the UAB women's basketball team. Yeah, my daughter goes to UAB. Well, they they have a pretty good program there, and uh, you know the football program's good. And uh, you know now that it's back, uh, that that's good news for for Birmingham. But uh, I actually did a a retreat for UAB. Uh, in the down in Destin in the fall, uh, did a three day retreat on the beach in a condo. So that was pretty nice. Uh, did uh, did three days of all leadership stuff. Yeah, there's worse places to be than than in a condo in Destin, <laughs> Florida. I can probably- it, it was it was uh, it was good. And and uh, you know, if anyone's out there listening, you know, if you want me to come to like snow tundra, it's going to cost you more. If you want me to come to Destin, Florida, <laughs> it, my price it's more negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, it was about, uh, I don't know, three months ago, it was like North, Northern Saskatchewan, Canada that I went up to. And I was like, man, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I don't know how much more you could pay me to get me up to, <laughs> to that in the dead of winter. <laughs> yeah, well, I live in Cleveland, near Cleveland, Ohio, and so it's bad enough all time. So, yeah, if, if you want me to come speak, I'd, I'd be more than glad to uh, negotiate a better deal if it's in the South. I thought, uh, I thought for some reason, I thought you were in the Carolinas. I was just in uh, Cleveland. I, I had a, uh, a certification thing that I did in Berlin, right out in Amish okay. country. But, yeah. Uh, we're, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're outside of Cleveland. My wife's family is all lives here. And so, uh, you know, we were living in Atlanta. Uh, we were living in Tennessee for a little, for quite a while. And so, uh, she finally said, Hey, you can do what you're doing anywhere. So we're going to do that where our family is. And I said, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Cleveland was the site of the uh, studio that we did that uh, when we brought back the party. So uh, the whole Mickey Mouse Club team that, that listens to this podcast, that, that was right up there in Cleveland as well. Okay, okay nice. So any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with, Coach? <laughs> Uh, no, not, not necessarily. I, I'm just, uh, I appreciate you having me on and, and uh, I enjoy talking about all this stuff. This is good, even though, uh, as you say, we go down some rabbit holes sometimes. We, uh, I get off on tangents sometimes, which, which I enjoy doing, but I'm not sure. I, I, I try not to do that on my podcast. Um, I try to let the guest, the guest take it where, where they want, but uh, you know, I, I struggle sometimes. My wife says that also, too, all the time, is that uh, I'm kind of here and there. Uh, yeah, so the, we're both the same person. So the fact that we actually completed an entire podcast without uh, getting into like college fraternity stories and things like that, I think that's good. I think I think we'll take that as a win, Coach. There are, there are some lessons I could, I could go over some of those stories. <laughs> you and, see, and, see yeah. you and I'll be talking for an hour after this thing wraps up. That's just how it goes. <laughs> There's also some stories that I'm going to take to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, Coach. None, none on this side. It's all... All right there in front of everybody. Well, again, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing with us. And uh, again, you don't have to release a book to come back and see us. <laughs> well, we have another one coming out in the summer. Uh, it's called The Captain, and it'll be uh, specifically for people in positional leadership roles. So, so this last book, all my books have been really in general, like everyone can be a leader. Uh, this one is going to be specifically when you're in a position of authority or a position of leadership. And so uh, we're excited about that one. And, it, and it's going to be more of a business crossover book as well. Outstanding. Well, then we'll have you back for that. We uh, we look forward to it. Uh, next week, team, we're going to be uh, taking the week off. We'll do a replay next week uh, as I'm going to be in Orlando uh, doing a workshop down there over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then uh, we'll be back the the following week, though, uh, and, and wait, I'm going to wait until next week to start announcing some of these guys, but we have got a tremendous lineup coming up uh, and some really uh, nice surprises coming into January and February. So stay tuned to the, to, uh, the podcast to find out who those people will be and until uh, two Fridays from now. We hope you maintain your own work-life balance. You've been listening to Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management.